Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome. This is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson, your host, and uh, with me is my co-host, Gabriel Quiroga. Hey, Gabriel, how's it going? Good, Brian, and uh, hello, fellow Kules. Um I'm here currently in Barcelona doing a little vacationing. Um, how are you doing? What are you, where are you at? I'm in, I'm in Buffalo, like, uh, like I always am. <laughs> yeah, but you're headed, to, you're headed to Michigan, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to Michigan this weekend. Uh, my girlfriend, Megan, uh, she lived in Michigan for three years while she was getting a doctorate in music. And uh, for two of those years, we were having a, a long-distance relationship while I was in Buffalo. So anyway, she's moved here to Buffalo. We're living together now, and it's and it's wonderful. It's awesome. But so she left a lot of her stuff back in Ann Arbor, and she was airbnb out her room uh, while she was also doing a month-long music festival, and her lease wasn't up, so she was trying to like make some income off of that so now we're going back this weekend her lease is finally up and we're carting her bed and all like a lot of large furniture and and my woodworking shop we're going to bring that all back to buffalo so that's what we're doing this weekend and uh for me it's been the first week of school just ended uh i'm in my you know i'm in my third year of a phd program also in music and uh that first week is rough, man. Yeah, getting back to the the schedule and the the hours, huh? Just yeah. But you're on the road too, because you're in Barcelona. Yeah, I've been in Barcelona since Tuesday, and uh, it's been it's been great. Um, unfortunately, it's been raining for three of the days, but other than that, I've been able to see some friends. Um, you know, walk around the city, which is always great. Um, actually, this afternoon I did the Camp No experience, so we're going to talk about that as well. And I also posted some Facebook live video of that. That was pretty cool. I went with a friend of mine and yeah, I'm going to be here till actually till Tuesday. And then I fly back to San Francisco for two weeks. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's just like I was saying last week, you're everywhere I want to be. Uh, I mean, Buffalo is fine. I'm happy to be in Buffalo, but I, I wouldn't mind being in Barcelona or San Francisco right now. <laughs> yeah. There's it's, you know, both are great cities. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, we do actually have a, a good bit to talk about, even though uh, even though there, we're on international break, so there isn't a, a match to to recap. But a lot's been going on this this last week. So, how about we get into some Barca talk? Sounds good. Let's get started. All 
right. So I think that, the, well, the first thing that I want to talk about is Benedito's campaign for the no confidence vote, which he has officially requested the paperwork from the club uh, just yesterday. We're recording this on Saturday. So on uh, Friday, he officially did the thing he said he was going to do. And uh, the club has until September 8th to deliver it to him. And I was looking at this, and that means, for one thing, we know that he has two weeks to gather signatures. And in that time, sort of depending upon when the club gives him the paperwork, he'll have at least two matches at the Camp Nou to probably gather a lot of signatures. And it could even be three games if the club gives him the paperwork any later than Wednesday the 6th, because they've uh, they've got Espanol at the Camp Nou. They've got Juventus at the Camp Nou, and then they have another one. He's going to have at least two games, and I think that would probably be a good a good way for him to gather those signatures, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been talking about this in the previous episodes about uh, Benedito's campaign. Um, now that he officially submitted the paperwork and is going forward with it, we're going to see what the actual um, response is from all the associates. So I'm curious to see because, you know, most of the people I follow on Twitter – um, it seems to me that everyone is pretty much in favor of this, but most of those people on Twitter who are the loudest people aren't sosies. From what I've been seeing around town, from the newspaper, talking to my cousin and stuff, it seems that the sosies are fed up, especially with not really doing anything this transfer window in the last two weeks, just being completely inept. You know, I've even heard that there are factions within the actual leadership of the club that want to see Bartomeo out. And if Bartomeo goes out, then a lot of other people go out as well. Exactly. And, and as we talked about in the previous episodes, it's just like the way the board is being run is being ran by like almost like as a political party. So, you know, you, you know, you have to basically uh, choose sides. Um, hopefully you choose the right side. And obviously Bartomeo hasn't done anything. You know, we've talked about again in the previous episodes about how he's been inept, especially this summer with the whole fiasco. Like I was just reading something in Twitter today. It was like, Arda Turan is still on the team. I don't know if I should laugh or cry. And I just thought that was just like a really poignant like tweet, you know, like that is that just sums up for me kind of like the transfer window this summer. Yeah, I think there's general agreement everywhere that this transfer window has been just a total disaster for for Barcelona. Correct. And also, like I just read, you know, before we started recording that Liverpool was demanding 200 million for Coutinho. And, you know, just this goes back to everything, having no plan knowing that you think that Neymar is going to go and really go hard for Coutinho before Neymar went, we could have probably got him for like 70 million, but no, we just have no, we have no vision. No, you know, Bartomeu is just looking out to, you know, obviously he's doing well for getting income for the club, but as far as the philosophy from La Masia, from Cruyff, you know, all the things that we love about our club, he's not installing. And it's just, you know, it's it's becoming a Titanic. Yeah, and I'm, we're going to talk about that later because I've been I got a little deep into doing research this week. I was looking up every single player over several years, uh, looking at the the Barcelona B squad. But I went a little crazy this week uh, researching because, well, that's sometimes I just get like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also you just want to, you know, it's funny like you when you investigate something like you know you hear all these things, but when you actually see what's actually happening like in front of you on a text document it's just fascinating right because like you're going to tell us about it and it's just going to be crazy yeah and we're going to get to that in a little bit but right now since the transfer window 
has now closed in Spain and France and Germany and Italy and England. Uh, there is still a chance that Turan could leave because Turkey's window is still open for another week. But I, that means that Barcelona, we can't sign any more people, can't bring any more people in. So what we have is what we have. We might still be able to have less than what we have, but this is it. Um, so just to recap the transfer window, um, particularly in terms of outgoings, because we know that as far as incomings, the most notable tr- signing was Dembele, of course. Yeah, we all know that like Delafeo came back. Marlon Santos was officially signed on to the club, but then now he's sent out on a two-year loan to Nice. Um, and Barcelona has the option to bring him back after one year, but Nice has the option to buy him after the two-year loan for $20 million. Like, I'm just looking at this list, and it's just like a who's who of terrible errors, you know? It's just like, you know, obviously Santos, okay, he's young. But then again, we have here Sampers on loan to Las Palmas. Um, you know, I would have liked to have him on the team just to get him some um, playing time. But yeah, he's going to have some more playing time in Las Palmas. So I'm kind of mixed about that. Um, obviously, our your favorite player and my favorite player, Douglas, is on loan to Benfica. So that's good for us. But again, it's just like, you know, these are just like I would even say third tier players that were given off to loan. And these are the highlights, you know, the quote unquote highlights of our transfer uh, market or signings that we did this summer. Apparent, I heard that they were really trying to get rid of Douglas, like sell sell Douglas entirely, but they just couldn't do it. And so they wound up uh, loaning him out again. I mean, he has no highlight tape. So how can we sell him? Like, what are you going to highlight him? Him when he got presented and juggled? You know, like, I mean, there's right. nothing you can really show for him. You can say, like, oh, yeah, he's great in practice, but no one, no one's going to take him. Speaking of research, I, I was I was researching uh, what Douglas has been doing. And the only thing is he hasn't been doing much at Barcelona is all. He made three appearances total, uh, playing a, comp- a total of 112 minutes for Barcelona back in 14... 14- 2014 to 2016 and then he's just been out on loan but last year he did make uh, a number of appearances for Gijon he played about a thousand seven hundred minutes or so so in in theory there should be something to show for him from from last year Uh, even though it's Gijon I mean if he's a good player though like it should shine through exactly but you know he has such a high price right because we paid so much for him that no mid-tier team's going to take it we would have to pay half of that feet to unload that so again it's just douglas is like the type of condo that you bought you know a hundred miles outside the city center and then you're trying to offload it for the same price that you're hoping to get in the city center it's just it doesn't make any sense like again munir going to alaves you know this poor guy i feel like he's just like a uh, you know they tell him yeah you're on the team no you're off the team yeah you're on the team you're off the team it's like every every loan transfer he's been on valencia now he's going to be on alaves and it's just you know for the last three to four seasons, he just, he's never um, guaranteed a spot on, on the club. And so he gets loaned out basically on the last day. So it's almost like, you know, you, you count down to the days that you're going to be on the, the team. And then the last minute they they ship you. And so now he's going to Alaves. So hopefully he'll get some even more playing time than he did in Valencia. But, I mean, Munir's got to pick up the productivity if he wants to be on the on the big boys team. So, um, you know, obviously we got Dembele. Uh, and of course, your favorite player, Paulinho. We should talk about Paulinho because I I was uh, in touch with one of our listeners, Mario, in San Francisco, and he was 
he shared the video of Paulinho scoring for Brazil uh, just the other day, and uh, he was calling out a lot of uh, Barcelona fans who were talking trash on Paulinho. And uh, and I was saying, I don't think that we are hating on Paulinho specifically. I, I think it's more that we're we just don't think signing Paulinho was a good signing for Barcelona. But on the other hand, like my my position on this now is he's wearing a Barcelona jersey. He plays for Barcelona. I hope he does well for Barcelona because it's all about the team. So I hope he plays well. I'm not rooting against him. And, and he is a good player. The only question is, you know, can he step up to the level that he needs to step up to? At Barcelona, uh, we don't know, but in general, it's just that we we look at that signing and we just wonder, like, why, why him, why, why not a bunch of other possibilities? Well, I'm gonna tell tell you something. I, I mean, sorry, Mario, you're wrong because uh, Paulinho is not good. Because I mean, obviously, you can show master up a YouTube mixtape and show the greatest goals of of a player, but if I mean, he doesn't fit our system. We overpaid for him. He's never going to play as much as uh, a player of his of what we paid the transfer fee is going to play or play. So it's not it's it's not that we're hating on Paulinho. It's just that it's more about the board. But also, you know, Paulinho, I mean, doesn't do anything. He doesn't. He can't possess the ball. He's just a straight up the middle midfielder, and that's not the style that we play at Barcelona. So I'm sorry, Mario, but. Uh, you know, Paulinho's not going to get that much playing time. And if he does, then it's going to be a long season. If Paulinho gets a lot of playing time this year, it's going to be a really long season. I'm not sure that I feel as strongly about it as you do, Gabriel, but I think that may be because I don't know enough or I don't know as much as you about him as a player. Um, but we'll we'll see how many minutes he gets. We'll see what he does when he's on the pitch. And as the season goes, we'll, you know, we'll see how things how things shake out. So let, let me let me ask you this. I'll give you an analogy for you, okay? Since you're the you're the musician, right? So imagine we have a band, right? And we have the lead guitar, we have the rhythm guitar, and then we have the bass, we have the drums, and we have the singer, right? That's like the basic right for a rock band, right? And then all of a sudden I'm like Guess what? I got you this shittier lead guitarist to join our rock group. And he doesn't make, he can't compose any music. And he's really not that good on rhythm, on lead guitar. But, you know, I'm just doing China a favor. So I'm going to bring him on to the, to, the, to the group. How would you react to that? You'd be like, okay, well, I think I see where you're going with this analogy. And I'll, I can improve the analogy f- from my personal experience. So you got your basic rock band set up. Everything is is going pretty well. You're getting gigs. And then one of the guys in the band says, hey, do you mind if my girlfriend plays tambourine? The old Yoko Ono trick, huh? <laughs> right. But, but but imagine, imagine, especially like if, if, if we're talking like what Mario's doing here with the YouTube clip and everything, I show you the greatest tambourine mixtape you've ever seen. You know, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, look at this guy's amazing, but it doesn't fill what we need going forward and so that's why that's why well yeah as far as filling what we need going forward that makes me think about not the situation but uh but Dembele and I think we're pretty happy to have him signed on you know he's young he's clearly really talented he has tons of potential and probably has a really bright future ahead of him Um, and then there's this whole question of can Dembele step in and and deliver what we need in the absence of Neymar. He's not exactly replacing Neymar, but what can we or should we expect from Dembele? Like, what would be realistic this year, for example, to come out of Dembele and his performance? Obviously, he's not going to be a Neymar, but he's definitely up in that 
kind of uh, talent level that he could have. You know, the you know in football especially, like you have players that are safe and sound players. You know, players that are really technical, they can pass, but they never take that chance. You know what I'm saying? They never make that pass. They never take that move. And Dembele is a player like that, just like Neymar, where he'll take a chance to make a move to beat a player. And so those are the special type of players you need on your team because those are the moments in the match where, like, in the 80th minute, he make a move and all of a sudden it breaks a game open to score the winning goal. So I'm really excited to see how Dembele is going to fit in. Um, I definitely think he's going to take over um, De La Feo's uh, uh, time. And uh, I think he's going to take over his time. And I also think that um, just the way his uh, physicality, you know, he's kind of tall, really kind of uh, the way he strides and he's kind of fat. I mean, not kind of fast. He's fast. And so I think that's going to give us a really nice dimension. Um, I just don't know how fast he's going to be implemented in the team. So we'll see after the international break. And I hope sooner than later. I'd just rather just take the chance and just let him just go out there and play for us. Yeah, that's I like what you said about how he's he's the kind of player who's going to try something. He's going to make an attempt. He's going to make a bold move, even if it fails. He's going to keep trying those bold moves. He's going to keep trying things out. He's sort of fearless in that way, like Neymar is. And I, that makes me think about how Delafeu is. From what I've seen, he's I think Delafeu is really good, and I want to see him succeed and do really well. But often, it really does seem like he is playing it safe I think he's had a lot of good performances lately and good moments but he's not a a risk taker in that way yeah I mean I would I like I wouldn't mind seeing something like Delafeu on the right Dembele on the left and Messi up the middle type of thing and because I think Delafeu plays stronger on the right side especially in the last match he had some really good opportunities. He has that one move where he kind of dips his right shoulder and then takes it to the end line. He doesn't do that on the left side as much because it's not as effective. And I think I think for him, um, he can also cross the ball better with his right. So I think playing him on the right side suits him better. But I'm, I'm curious to see if we can put um, Delafeu, Messi, and Dembele and see how that works just for now. And then obviously implement Suarez when he's completely healthy. Yeah, and also I've, I've been thinking about how I actually really trust Valverde. I, I'm thinking about. I'm looking at some of the moves he's been making. I wonder how much influence he's had on, on the state of the squad. Or you know, there's always a question about how much is the manager influencing uh, signings and things like putting Marlon Santos out on loan, leaving us with Vermalen in center back. So now our four center backs are PK Umtiti, which I think are obviously the starters, right? But then you've got Mascherano, who's still good, but he's starting to get a little older, and Vermalen rather than Marlon Santos. Yeah, to me, I you know I have no faith in Vermalen just because he's always injured, and I don't think he's a good enough player as a center back for Barcelona because I don't think he's strong enough to play balls uh, from the back. So I would have just rather taken the chance with Santos, especially since he's young, and actually try to develop him. But like as we talked about before, Valverde is just trying to survive. He's He can't think about the complete development of young players for the club because he's just trying to survive, do well, and keep his job. Oh, that's the end of the first half. So thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. We like to take a little break here in the middle 
to talk about what we're doing here on the podcast and talk to all the listeners and tell you that we want you to be a part of the show. Uh, we've been getting uh, lots of communications via Twitter, via Instagram, and on Facebook, and uh, we enjoy like building up the community around the show. So continue to be a part of the show. Tell us how we're doing. Uh, tell us how you listen, where you listen, how you got into FC Barcelona. Um, we have so many ways that you can get in contact with us. We've got email, Twitter, Facebook. We even have a telephone line. The number is 716-795-2853. And uh, also, all of this is on our website. So go and visit barsatalk.net to uh, be involved and be a part of the show. Yeah, and like we, like Brian said, we have all our social media. Um, like, for example, today on the Facebook page, I went Facebook Live uh, about four minutes or so of the Camp No uh, tour experience. So those are the type of things you'll be seeing on our Facebook page. I also put some pictures of uh, me walking around Barcelona this week. So uh, definitely check out our social media. We have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And again, you can find all of that at barsatalk.net. Also, we if you want to use the hashtag barsatalk, that works as well because we'll be able to repost that content and share it to our community. Yeah, and also don't forget to rate and review the show uh, on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're, if you're using some other thing to listen and there's a rating function, that's fine too. But the fact is most of you are listening on Apple Podcasts or something. So rate and review. So in the second half, we're going to talk about a couple of like big things. I want to really get in deep with what you're doing in Barcelona, uh, going to the Camp Nou experience and everything. And I've again, I've been doing all this crazy compulsive research about the B squad and the state of the the Cantera and all that. So we're going to get into that. But let's just check in with the La Liga standings and where that's at. Because, uh, happily, Valencia played Teal Madrid to a draw last week. And it reminded me of Rocky IV. Did you see Rocky IV? That's the one with the Russian. You mean the greatest boxing movie of all time? Well, I would say Rocky <laughs> II. But <laughs> although it's generational, right? I know younger people who say that Rocky IV is easily the best Rocky because it ended the Cold War. I can get behind that. But there's this part in Rocky IV, you know, you've got Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago. He's this gigantic, steroidal Russian mass. And Rocky's boxing him, and he gets a good shot in, and he cuts his eye. And the manager, not the manager, his trainer, is in the, in the corner, and he says to him, You see? You see? He's not a machine. He's a man. The fact that Valencia could draw Real Madrid... <laughs> Makes me think of that. It's like, they're not a machine. They can be drawn. Exactly. And also the commentator says, the Russian's been cut. The Russian's been cut. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch the game, but I was following it on, on, uh, online, basically. I was just kind of checking the score. And sure enough, you know, um, Real Madrid was playing with like no center backs, you know, because Ramos was out. 
Um, Varane was out injured, so they had Casemiro playing back there. So obviously going into the game, I knew Valencia had a chance at least. Um, and especially Valencia has a new manager, Marcelino, who used to be the manager of Villarreal for the last couple of years. And so they always had a pretty good uh, squad. So I knew going into the game um, that it was going to be a tough match for Real Madrid. And sure enough, um, Valencia uh, was able to pull the, the tie. And all the newspapers already said La Liga's over. It was crazy. Like all the – because, you know – for the past two seasons, you know, both Real Madrid and Barcelona have barely lost any matches. So whenever there's a slip up, it's already like the the league is already for Barcelona. But obviously, there's so many more games that are, you know, we're going to have. So this can't be this is not true at all. Well, it's definitely helpful for Barcelona, but it's certainly not deciding. I mean, it's way too early in the season. Like Leganes is in third place right now with just as many points as Sociedad and Barca. But you know that Leganes is going to fall as the season goes on. Exactly. And then obviously another great performance by Asin Sal. And so I it makes my blood boil every time he does so well because we could have him for like nothing. And we wanted to do a payment plan to get this player. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Those Asensio goals in that game were were really good. But I'm also wondering if part of it is that some a lot of players don't know what to expect from him because he's so young and he's still fairly new and I'm wondering if once they get a beat on him more if they're going to be able to mark him and defend him better and if they're going to be able to shut him down and if he's going to be able to rise above that so right now he's really exciting but is he going to continue to be I I don't know but obviously we're going to find out yeah and it's it's almost like um you know like a uh they I always use the same analogy in baseball like when a rookie hitter becomes really really good at the beginning then the pitchers figure out his weaknesses and then he kind of goes into a slump so we'll see if that happens but man he scores those top-sided type of goals where the ball kind of does like this top spin where it dips under I mean that that is that is some sick ass striking for sure I mean that's true so he can strike like crazy so the only the only question is are our defenders going to be able to start shutting down those shots because he's got the shot so what about what about what about the the match um for Barca last week um you know like I said we we looked really good um going forward obviously Messi played great um directing traffic but again I'm curious to see um, how long Suarez is actually going to be out and how fast he gets implemented back into the team. Yeah, well, he just played for Uruguay and he went out of the game in like the 83rd minute with an injury. But um, it, apparently it wasn't an aggravation of the knee injury or it wasn't a re-injury of the knee. Uh, he says he just went out with a cramp. So he was given the medical all clear. So I, I think he should probably be starting against Espanyol in the next next game. Okay, so but I want to I want to talk about this thing that we've been talking about uh, ever since we've been doing the show together. And you hear a lot about it on social media. You hear, you read articles about it. You hear commentators on all the sports channels, at least here in the States. I see it on ESPN. I, I see it on BN. I see, I hear everyone talking about how the, the assembly line of the youth ranks of FC Barcelona into Barcelona B and, and then ultimately into the first team has been, really failing in recent years. And I intuitively felt like maybe that was true, but I decided that I, I really wanted to research this and, and figure this out. 
So I have all kinds of numbers and data at my disposal. I went I went deep into it, man. So where did where did you find all the information? You just just internet searching and just finding all that. Uh... Yeah, a lot of internet searching. Uh, I went I went back. I was researching. You know, when did La Masia really start? So. I mean, because when you're a Barcelona fan, and I've been a Barcelona fan for seven years now, it's like you hear about it, but you don't necessarily know exactly how it goes. You know that Cruyff is very important, right? So in 79, Cruyff suggested bringing this Dutch model of youth training to the club, and the president at the time, Nunez, was really down for it. He was very supportive of the project. And then you saw the the fruits of that start to pay off some years later. And so I was really curious. Like, for example, I wanted to know the 92 Dream Team, right? What was that all about? And at that point, you know, they've had La Masia going for 10 years, 11 years, right? So you would think that there would probably be some representation. I mean, there were three players in the 92 Dream Team who came up through the youth ranks, Guardiola was one of them. You had Ferrer and Guillermo Amor. The rest of them were all, you know, internationals. Uh, so many Spanish, uh, some not. You know, you had Coleman. But then I was also wondering: it's not just about the first team, right? It's it's also you got to look at the B squad, right? So I so I got into looking at the 1991-92 Barcelona B squad. This is still under President Nunez. Obviously, at this point, La Masia has been going for over 10 years, 11, 12 years. So they are rolling. Cruyff is still involved because he's managing the first team. And if it was his idea to bring that model over, then clearly he's got to have some involvement in that. And so I, I checked into it. And the Barcelona B squad in that year was anywhere from 57 to 83 percent La Masia players, right? Guys who had at least one year. I mean... If you go a little bit further on, you look at Puyol. They found Puyol with just enough time to get him into a youth team. He he spent one year on like a youth team before he stepped up into the semi-pro pro tiers of the team. And Puyol is one of my heroes, right? So I figure if you can get at least one year in the youth ranks, then that's good enough for me to consider you like a Masia graduate, right? Of course, if you if you got there at age eight, like some other players, like maybe that gives you a little bit more cred. But in that year, it's a little hard to tell because not all the players really went on to do great things. Um, and so they don't have great <laughs> online presence. It's hard to tell with some of them. But as far as I could tell, at least 57% of that 91-92 Barcelona B squad came up through the ranks, right? There were 30 players on the on the roster. 17 of them definitely came up in La Masia. One probably from La Masia. Five definitely non, right? And there were some other ones who I, I didn't even know. So that, I mean, from year to year, you know, you have to field a team, right? And you need to get players wherever you get them from, right? I mean, maybe... The, you sign players who they saw moving to the first team, but then they got into the B team in anticipation of that. We see that sort of thing all the time. So I was just going back and looking at snapshots, like in this year and this roster, how many of them had learned the Barcelona philosophy, right? And the playing style, but also the way that they, they teach you to, to be, teaching the Barcelona values and all that sort of stuff. Okay, so then I went a few years later. Uh, I went. I looked at ninety seven, ninety eight. Still, still under Nunez, they had uh, there were twenty nine players on the roster, and twenty one of them 
were from La Masia, all right? And that included Puyol, that included Xavi, and a bunch of other players who went on to have careers and, and do good things. Some of them are now working on some level at the club even now as either, you know, physical therapists or coaches in the youth ranks. But that's ridiculous. So that's like a 72% La Masia representation in the B squad. If we believe in bringing up players from the youth ranks and through the B team into the first team, then you have to have a lot of Masia graduates in the B team so that you can do that. I went even further into 2004-2005. This is the last one before I look at the current one. So 04-05, your notable players in 04-05, Messi, of course. Got Oriol Riera, didn't do a whole lot in the first team, but he went on to have a pretty good career. Total of 33 players were on that that roster. And this is right in the middle of Laporta's presidency. And that was uh, about 21 of them came up through the youth ranks, starting as young as 9 to like 13, 14 years old. It was 63% La Masia. And then I go and I look at where we're at right now. And it's actually kind of still in flux because we just signed another player from another team. But the current Barcelona B squad is only 35% La Masia graduates. Out of 28 players, last I checked, again, it's still a little bit in flux. But out of the 28 players, only 10 of them were youth players for FC Barcelona. They came from other places. That's not to say that they aren't good footballers, right? It's not to say that they might not have the quote-unquote Barcelona DNA, right? People talk about that, like finding those young players that have the the right attitude and the right mind for playing the Barcelona way. But right now, there's very little representation on the B squad from La Masia. So that's really, I think, where the issue lies. I mean, at the moment, there are nine players on the first team who came up in La Masia, right? So that's not bad for the first team. But you look at the B squad, and it's very, it's very uh, disheartening. Those are all great stats and stuff. I just think, you know, you're never going to hit, obviously, um, 80% success rate with your youth system. It's just really hard, you know. Obviously, with the uh, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi class, and Busquets, you know, we, we hit the jackpot, you know. Not only, you know, just in talent, but also just... Um, just going through the whole program, knowing the philosophy of everything. I think more importantly, when we talk about La Masia and what's going on with there, it's more about the board not having faith in those players to give them opportunities in the senior club. And we're too fast to spend for players to fill a quick void as opposed to giving those young players those opportunities. Because that's what's going to eventually lead to their experience to become better players. So, of course, you've named different eras of, you know, through through the years of the La Masia. But I think more importantly, in those eras, um, there was a better synergy between the board and the vision of giving those young players opportunities and not just to quickly sign, fill the void you know, with these Andre Gomez, you know, all the players that we've just signed in the last three years, for example. We could have used that type of confidence to give those players an opportunity like Munir, Samper, and these type of things. And that eventually is always going to lead to better uh, success stories for La Masia. Exactly. Yeah, and we we were talking about this earlier about about Gomez, right, specifically. You know, the club spent 35 million euro on Gomez, and with the kind of performances that he gave the club, you know, we could have gotten similar performances from 
a young player about the same age as him or maybe even a little bit younger for one a lot less money and someone who who came up through those ranks and yeah like you were saying having faith in that system my point is that when you see how little of the current b team came up through the youth ranks you can see already that lack of faith and how that's going to affect the first team moving forward exactly that's a really great example with the andres gomez thing i mean for example they they if they didn't sign him they could have given sergio roberto more opportunities in midfield they could have given samper some more opportunities and these are the type of things that you're going to know if they're good enough players to play for the Barca team, right? Because you'll have enough minutes, you'll have all the data and all that, all that information. You know, Cruyff installed this amazing idea of an all-inclusive academy for youth and to develop the philosophy so it's in the player's DNA. And it's a great, you know, it's one of the greatest things that happened to Barcelona, this philosophy, this idea. Uh, but again, we need to reinvest into it. We have to have faith in it because that's always going to give us one to two senior players every five years. So that's how we have to treat it. If we use it that way, we're always going to be uh, talent-wise. We're always going to be full of talent. And then we can pick and choose when we want to p- spend the big money on the super talented players outside of La Masia. Right, exactly. But also I've heard, I read one article with a sort of anonymous source, a former La Masia coach, saying that they don't recruit the same kind of player that they used to, even at a young age. They'll see a young player who might be skilled, but they won't pick him up because he's not very big. And I mean, that's exactly what all the clubs were turning down Messi for when he was coming around. But they saw the right things. They, they, there was a very clear vision as to what kind of player they were looking for. They want skill, intelligence, and speed. And now, as I understand it, you know, I'm not inside the club. I don't really know. But it seems like there's more of an emphasis on looking for, you know, strong players, big players, not necessarily fast, skilled, intelligent players. So if that's already how you're recruiting, then you're already setting yourself up to deviate from what La Masia has been about and what Barcelona has been about. Yeah, I mean, you know, every time this summer that we've been talking about this and the board, it just like, it just infuriates me because like, it's just, it's, it's a, I wouldn't say a simple thing to follow, but it, you know what has worked and you just continue to do the same thing. You just maybe um, advance the analytics or this, you know, you in, implement new technology, but the philosophy should never really change. I mean, that's what keeps us, quote unquote, different from other clubs. That's what keeps us different from Real Madrid, you know, having this type of youth system. And the fact that, you know, as we've talked about and documented so many times, that this is going on and we don't really have anything in the pipeline to get excited. And I think it really kind of started when we got the the FIFA band a couple of years ago with recruiting kids and with the families. I think that really put a negative spin on La Masia and that kind of maybe scared uh, the board from selecting the type of players that we used to get before. Yeah, that transfer ban really did uh, a number on on the situation. So, uh, in my opinion, hopefully this board will be out. We'll get a new board, and um, also just over time, as long as they're conducting themselves, you know, within regulations, while also maintaining the philosophy. Hopefully, every, things will sort of settle down and improve in the next few years. Now, okay, so tell me about the Camp New experience. 
or just Barcelona in general? How is it? I haven't seen it in a while. All right. So for those of you who have not visited the Camp Nou, they have a uh, museum and tour experience that is uh, second to none. I would say the best of all European stadiums. I've been to Manchester United. I've been to Chelsea. I've done the Real Madrid one. And for me, the Barcelona one is the best, the way it's organized. Um, they actually have a separate, really cool, interactive museum. Um, and so obviously the tour takes you through the stadium. You go at the bottom all the way, working your way up to the top. And then at the end, um, you know, you're at various spots. You have trophies and different memorabilia that you can check out. But uh, for me, the two highlights are obviously you're walking through the players' entrance to the field and they have the uh, Barca hymn playing in the background with a crowd noise. So it feels like a game day, which to me is amazing because it's really loud and you're walking down the corridor just like the players do. And then you get to walk onto the field. You actually don't get to walk on, on the field, but you get, you're, you're really, really close to it. And to be at that perspective and just kind of look around and just see the stadium is, is for me one of the coolest experiences uh, in sports for me. Um, the second thing is I put on the Facebook uh, Facebook page is they have this video room where I could probably spend easily three hours and they just have a 10 minute video loop there of like the last uh, seven years, eight years of Barca highlights starting with Iniesta's goal against Chelsea and they just have different angles of the goal and the different commentators commentating and it's just absolutely brilliant. Like the way they do that is just, oh my gosh, for me it's like, uh, as many of my friends know how much I love YouTube and I'm always in a YouTube vortex, I could I could easily be there for three hours just watching the same video because just the way they present it, it's just, it's magical. So yeah, so that was the experience today. I, was, I went with a friend of mine who had never been before. She likes football, but she's not really particular to Barcelona or anything like this, and she really enjoyed it as well. And so there obviously there's a lot of people, a lot of tourists. You can take pictures everywhere. Uh, yeah, so I definitely recommend it if you come to Barcelona. Uh, it's about 25 euros for the for the tour, and it takes about one hour. But you just get unprecedented views and access of the stadium, which is just amazing. Yeah, the next time I go to Barcelona, I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah, the video boards they have are just, I mean, I like I said, I put it on the Facebook page. You can check it out. It's just it's just, you know, they have the messy goal against Athletic Bilbao that has all the Champions League uh, presentations. I think the most sad thing, though, was at the very end, they had an MSN tribute and, you know, with um, them beating Juventus in the Champions League and that whole year. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we don't have Neymar anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they maybe. The, well, hopefully they'll keep that, but then they'll be able to add some more at the end. Definitely. And so, yeah. And and like I said, you can see the whole history of Barcelona. You can see all the trophies they've won. Um, obviously, you can take pictures with Messi's golden boots, with the Champions League trophies. It's, it's just a really cool experience. Um, and, and again, for me, it reminds me of the old Yankee Stadium, you know, it just has so much tradition, so much history. Uh, it's old, you know, and it just has so much character. So it's just a really cool experience just to walk around. And like I said, I think for me the best part is just walking down the player's corridor. It's just you feel like a player for that 20 seconds. Yeah, that sounds magical. And so on the video boards, is uh, is there a highlight there that's like the one that you 
is like your big moment? Without a doubt, it's the Iniesta goal because I'll never forget that goal because I was watching that game against Chelsea. It was I remember it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday because you know Champions League is uh, in inner week. Um, I was at my parents' house watching it. And when Iniesta scored, I jumped up and ran around everywhere. And my mom was like, why are you screaming? People are going to think you're crazy. And I'm like, Iniesta. And my dad's like, what? You know, it was just like a, one of those moments. Because for me, that's when I was like really invested in watching Barcelona like uh, week to week, basically. Before, I was kind of just watching world soccer. But that season when they beat Chelsea, because I didn't really like Chelsea. I don't like Chelsea that much. Um, but that just that whole moment was just and the way they play it on the replay they have it in four different languages it's just the emotion the angles you see pep guardiola running down the sideline it's just it's for me that's just a moment for me that i'll never forget because that's really when i started really following barcelona week to week yeah so like that video board has that and you know obviously it has all the champions league goals like when messi scored the header against manchester united um, you know, it had like the, I had an awesome, awesome tribute to Suarez scoring the goal against Real Madrid where Danny Alves gave him a long ball and he just like one touched it and passed it through. Like they had six different angles on that goal, which is just, you know, that's the kind of thing you never get to see. And, and, and also the screens there are as big as a wall. So not only is it like in HD and awesome quality, but it's like in a dark room. So you're just completely enthralled with the video. And it's, for me, it's just that it right there is is the, is worth the price of the twenty five euros. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, you may, so make your pilgrimage. I think is the the takeaway from this. Make your pilgrimage to Barcelona. Go to the Camp Nou experience, and maybe also see a game. <laughs> exactly. If you can time it that way, that's usually the best way. Like like today, I was uh, I tagged it in the Facebook page. I said time to go to church, and I and, and I and I tagged the stadium. So yeah. So anyone that's going there, definitely recommend it. It's by far, I think, the best value. I think I paid something like 40 pounds at the Manchester United one, and it wasn't as good. Uh, I was, so I definitely recommend this experience for any fellow fellow Kool-Aid. Yeah, absolutely. Now, okay, so I think there's one last thing that I want to talk about, uh, which is uh, just looking ahead at the coming week, because we have um, Barcelona has one match coming up this week, uh, back from international break, continuing La Liga action. That was stupid. They're going to be playing Espanol, so Barcelona Derby. And whenever they play Espanol, I'm always reminded of the one time that I traveled to Barcelona for to watch a game and they were playing Espanol. What are you thinking about this uh, this upcoming game? Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how, if Dembele is going to start or not, um, what kind of lineup Val Green is going to be using, um, these type of things. But, I mean, I we should get the victory i mean it shouldn't be a problem hopefully i know it's a derby but um usually in these in the espanol derbies it's you know espanol tries to be physical try to give us some hard tackles but usually we we get through that and we usually get the victory so i'm looking like maybe a one nothing two nothing type of victory and just to keep um going forward with la liga campaign yeah i'm well i guess maybe suarez will be back from injury so maybe we'll be seeing like messi maybe dembele suarez or i don't know maybe valverde will want to wait until the following week to to put dembele out there i don't know we'll see but uh, I'd be interested in seeing that lineup. Although, of course, I would also be happy to have uh, Delafeo out on the pitch. Yeah, you know what you could see is probably Delafeo starting and then Dembele coming as a spark plug just to kind of 
get that going to get his first action and not just put so much pressure on Dembele. I could see that happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we should be okay. Um, especially, you know, Ernest Valgreen is usually pretty good tactically and uh, I have faith in his tactics going forward. Um, you know, well, I'm not too worried about this match. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Again, be sure to keep reaching out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Go to the website, barsatalk.net, and uh, be sure to follow and share any of our stuff on any and all of those channels. Get involved in the show. Be a part of the community here. Help us out as best you can or in any way you see fit. And, uh, of course, rate and review in Apple Podcasts. Like Brian said, check out our social media channels. I try to put some really good content out there, especially being here in Spain. So remember, sharing is caring, and you can see all of our social media at our website, barsatalk.net. All right. Visco Barça. Visco Barça. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.